You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. My name is Scott Nerney. I grew up in Warwick and have been a homeowner for over 30 years in our lovely city. My goal with this podcast is to highlight what is special about Warwick and how you can get the most from our seaside community. This podcast is being presented by the Warwick Center for the Arts, located next to Warwick City Hall, where amazing artists showcase their artwork year-round in their beautiful gallery, in addition to many exciting classes for children and adults. Our guest today is Eric Earls. He is the Director of Department of Public Works for the City of Warwick. We've invited him here to learn a little bit about his overall responsibilities and to gain a better understanding of the Recycling Center, which is located at 111 Range Road, or in Warwick terms, right behind Mickey Stevens Sports Complex. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you give us a little description of what your daily life is like? Sure. Well, with regard to public works, um, the best way to think of it is that public works pretty much maintains whatever the city owns, right? So that's streets, sidewalks, buildings, uh, the fleet, um, with the exception of the police department, um, sanitation, water. So, so all of that falls under public works. So as the director, all of that falls under my purview. So if it's on our roads or is our roads or being delivered to some way into a house or out of a house, that's pretty much your house? That's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, parks, ball fields, we do a lot of that as well. But, but yeah, I mean, if, uh, if the city owns it, we're probably maintaining it. Wow. So that, that's an awful lot of properties that you have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and municipalities are kind of notorious about preventive maintenance, you know, just historically. Um, so so a, lot of, a lot of putting out fires and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it just kind of, it is where it is. We're working on that component. Um, but you know, with, with older infrastructure, it's tricky. But like I said, we have a good team and, and we're working towards, you know, getting better about the preventive maintenance. And I would assume with the, the sawtooth building coming around uh, this part of the year, people starting to look at moving in there, some of the older properties that you don't have to maintain as much or eventually get off the tax rolls will probably be a blessing to you as well. Absolutely. You know, that's an excellent point. Um, the Sawtooth building uh, is going to be maintained by the owner of the Sawtooth building. So, you know, we're going to be moving people from the old Holden school, um, moving people from the Buttonwoods facility. So, yeah, that takes those two facilities off of our plate for the most part um, without the added responsibility of the Sawtooth building. So, yeah, that's, that's, we're, we're looking forward to that. Great. How long have you been with the city? So, I've been with the city as a public works director for a little over a year. I came in with the Picosi administration. Prior to that, though, um, I had spent about three and a half years as a public works director in Pawtucket. But I went to Pawtucket from Warwick. I was the city engineer in Warwick for, um, for about four years. So my familiarity with, with the city um, made it so that at coming in as public works director, I could really hit the ground running. Um, and so, so in my current position, yeah, a little over a year. Big changes between what you had to manage in Pawtucket versus Warwick? You know, it's, a lot of it's the same. You know, you're dealing with the same kind of infrastructure, 
but every municipality has their, their kind of hot spots. Uh, sanitation in both municipalities is, is tricky, even though in Pawtucket it was privatized. They had a transfer station that they would use, and there was a lot of controversy around that, you know, kind of not in my backyard uh, type of people. But, but yeah, for the most part, the responsibilities are the same. And I've been lucky in both locations to have great staff. Um, you know, the highway chief in Pawtucket was great. Highway chief here is awesome. Um, and same thing with that whole level of management. Uh, and, and that's what really makes a public works director, um, you know, f appreciate their staff is when they have a, a group that, can think on their own. You don't need to constantly look over the shoulder. And I've been lucky in both locations to, to have those types of people. And, and I'm sure we'll get some comments about the sanitation group and the group that picks up the recycling out there till six, seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. A little bit easier now that we've changed the clocks, they get a little bit more daylight. But those folks have uh, been putting up a lot of work and a lot of hours with equipment that they're really trying to Put together until COVID allows us to get more equipment and uh, kudos to, to that whole crew out there. Yeah, and, and I can't really say enough about how hard they work and, and they are really getting strained to the point where, um, you know, morale is getting tough and so you try and, and try and tell them how much you appreciate them, but it gets tough, you know, if someone who's out working 15, 16 hours a day and now they're not seeing their family as much as they'd like to, it's tough to, you can't tell them that you appreciate them enough to counteract that, right? So, um, but it's true, we really do appreciate it. We've implemented a split shift the last couple of weeks. That is um, because we don't have as many trucks, uh, we've had people come in their standard 5.30 to 12.30 kind of shift, and then another group that comes in after that. And so we're trying to mitigate that a little bit and try and help them out so that, um, so that they do have that time but even that, there are a lot of occasions where, unfortunately, we still have to hold guys. They work the first shift, and then we have to still hold them for the second shift. Um, and, you know, with, we're trying to, to get our fleet back to where it should be. We have two new mechanics uh, starting on Monday, um, and that's going to be, you know, a significant help for, for getting the older trucks back out on the road. But it's always an uphill battle. Well, I know one point the, the recycling guy went by, and I clapped for him. And he kind of looked at me like, oh, is this sarcasm? Because it was about 6.30 at night. And I'm smiling. And I think he realized that, hey, you know, this, this, you know, if he saw me, that guy really cares. So it means a lot. I'd give him the thumbs up when they go by if I see him in the neighborhood. So, you know, I, I know a lot of the folks online, you know, they may only see the complaints, but there's a lot of great uh, kudos out there. So shout out to those guys. Yeah, thank you. It's it's nice when we get those compliments. And when we do get them, I'll bring them back there and kind of post them on the board if possible, because every little bit helps. Every little pat on the back is, is a nice feeling. And regardless of your job, right, it's nice to have someone tell you you're doing a good job and that they appreciate you. Um, and that's where, you know, it's it's true. It's really true with those guys. And um, like I said, I, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate how hard they've been working. Yeah. And I know one of the ways to limit what they have to deal with is using the recycling center. So I had asked you to come in and talk a little bit about the recycling center. Um, and I kind of see it as two different locations. I mean, obviously, it's in the same area, but there's what goes into the recycling center that people can drop off, and then what's actually available for people uh, when the season starts. So Let's talk a little bit about how many people work at the recycling center generally. So typically, there are only two or three people. You'll have one attendant at the gate, 
um, and then there'll be one person and a heavy piece of equipment, and they'll be moving material around, whether it's you know the compost or mulch, or pushing back piles of other types of material. They're there to, um, like I said, to kind of move stuff around. But the attendant is the person that that everyone's going to interact with when they go there. And let's talk about what people can bring to the recycling center. Sure, um, and I like to reference the the city calendar. So the the sanitation department issues a calendar every year. They try to send it to every resident. And that's a really good resource for this type of thing. Um, so in the back of the calendar, um, I'm actually going to reference it right here. There's, uh, there's a section where they specifically state what you can be dropped off. So it's yard waste, scrap metal, um, newspaper, bottles and cans, mixed paper, cardboard, tires, e-waste, like televisions, computers, and then unstained uh, wood. So those are the things that they can bring. Um, there are a lot of things that they can't. So like hazardous materials, you know, gas, that, oh, I'm sorry, and, and waste oil is another one. You can bring your waste oil there, like motor oil, um, and filters. But they won't take gasoline, they won't take paint. Um, there are other mechanisms to dispose of that, um, and we can touch on that. There's an eco-depot that Rhode Island Resource Recovery in Johnston um, facilitates, and they'll go to different municipalities throughout the course of the year, um, and you can make, a, make an appointment to deliver those types of materials to those locations. Uh, there's one in Warwick every year around November, usually the first week in November. But... If you look at the Eco Depot calendar on Resource Recovery's website, you can go to any one of them. You can go to the one in Cranston or Pawtucket or wherever you want to go, um, and they take all those other materials. So it's good to know that uh, I know some of the more popular things are people are bringing in brush and leaves, and when they're doing their, their cleanups from the leftover from the winter or doing some tree chopping, uh, that, that just goes into a big, humongous pile that just continues to grow and then disappear. And, um, you know, I see all different types of trees and branches, and, and all of a sudden, uh, how does that leave? Is that what you're making some of the mulch out of? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we obviously pick up material curbside, um, yard waste pick up curbside, but absolutely, that's the most common thing that people bring to this facility is their excess yard waste. If they don't have enough, uh, if they don't have the capacity to put it out curbside or they have so much that they just want to get rid of it, they can drive it down to the facility, it gets thrown in that pile. Um, and then, yeah, the larger material um, is thrown into the chipper and we make wood chips out of it. Uh, and these, you know, keep in mind, these are wood chips that are made with everything we pick up. So it's not the kind of stuff you would want to use for uh, landscaping. You know, it's not it's not mulch like you buy at the store. It's just raw wood chips. And so a good application for something like, would that, like, something like that would be um, if you have a, a fence line, like a metal fence line that you want to keep weeds down or put it out in like a wooded area that you want to keep weeds down. Uh, it can have bugs in it, so you don't want to get too close to anything that you would be concerned about, you know, like termites or something like that. You don't want to put it near your house or up against a wooden fence. But that being said, there's a lot of material. Um, and the smaller stuff, uh, like the yard waste, the, the leaves and the grass trimmings, that, um, that eventually gets turned into compost. Uh, and that's a, that's a pretty extensive process. 
So it typically takes about seven years for the material to go from curbside to being finished compost. So in the process is, you know, we'll pick it up curbside or you bring it to the, to the compost facility. Uh, it goes into the tub grinder, which is a big machine that kind of grinds everything up. And then it gets stockpiled. Um, and then over the course of years, it gets turned and watered and turned and watered. Um, and then it gets screened. And once it gets screened, that's when you get your finished compost. And that's the really nice material that, that people come in and they can use that in their gardens. And, um, and it's a process that we follow. There are DEM guidelines for operating this type of facility. And we have to re-up that permit on a regular basis. Um, but that's, you know, people rave about the compost. Um, and that's the kind of material that if you want to come and pick it up, you can load it yourself and it's free. Um, the other option is, like I said, that piece of equipment is down there. If you want to pay to have them load your truck, it's, um, it's $10 per cubic yard of compost and $4 per cubic yard of wood chips. And a cubic yard is essentially the size of his bucket, right? That big bucket on the front of the loader. Okay. So he'll scoop that up then he'll dump it into your truck or, or however. But if you want to go down there and get a wheelbarrow full or a half dozen five-gallon buckets or something like that, you just go down there and shovel it out yourself and take it away for free. I've done that. I, I use every year. I go down and get a, a bunch of the, the compost. And uh, tips to people out there, don't go down the morning after a rain because it's a little thick to have to maneuver. But if you can get down there on a the morning after a hot, sunny day, the stuff is dried out a bit and it's really easy to shovel but also give you another tip if you're going down, try to bring a shovel that's straight, like an old coal miner shovel. It's a lot easier to scoop it up than it is with a spade shovel. Um, gardening tips with Scott at the recycling center. <laughs> um, and also, uh, roughly, how much mulch and wood chips do you guys distribute out for the year? Any idea? That's, that's a tough one, right? Because it's, it's pretty variable and it's tough to actually quantify. Um, we're allowed to keep uh, 12,000 cubic yards of, of material on site. Uh, so that being said, if it takes roughly seven years to you know, turn it around, so we're probably picking up you know, 15 to 2,000 cubic yards of material a year. But you know, these are just you know, back of napkin numbers, obviously. Yeah. Um, you, you, like I said, you've been down there, you see the piles. Um, and not only at that facility, we have a, a facility off of Draper Avenue, um, where we also stockpile some of the material. It's part of the permit as well. Um, so, so it's not all back there. Some of the material that's, you know, using my air quotes, aging, um, that's, that's stockpiled at Draper. But just, again, back of the napkin math, 1,500 to 2,000 bucketfuls from the bulldozer a year that you're going through. Yeah, yeah, it's substantial. Wow, that's fantastic. There's and folks, there's a lot out there. Um, Eric, if you could tell us the hours that you're running, uh, typically April to the winter. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking at your notes. You said, <laughs> you, you put that down for me. Uh, seven, seven to three, um, Monday through Saturday. Uh, and then no, no Saturday um, outside of that window. Okay. So folks, you can go down there, drop off a lot of items, uh, the e-waste, and remember... The e-waste from old computers or televisions, things along those lines, tires, everything that we can drop off at that center, 
reduces the amount that goes into the landfill directly. It reduces our expenses for the city to have to pay for those items. And all the items that you are recycling, uh, Eric, keep me correct, but uh, what they do is they take our full amount that we dump at the dump and then divide that into how much recycling we actually do, and that gives us a better rate. So the more we recycle, the less we pay for trash. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. We, um, we can dispose of clean recycling for free. Um, trash, we pay $47 a ton. Um, that's under our cap. Um, so that's, that's under our cap. So Johnston allows us or, or estimates how much trash we're going to dispose of, and that's the cap. So when you're under that, um, we're at $47 a ton. Once you go over your cap, then you're, then you're at $90 a ton. So two things are happening, right? So if you're recycling, then you're getting rid of less trash. So the more you recycle, that gets disposed of for free. But on the back end, it also minimizes the amount of trash. And if we stay under our cap, then obviously we're paying 47 versus $90 a ton. And that's significant. You know, the, the, our budget to dispose of trash at Johnston is around $1.2, $1.4 million. That's a, big, that's a big amount for trash. And so, you know, you talk small percentages on that number, even small percentages add up pretty quickly. So people are doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, you know, it can always be better. But Warwick has historically been very good with their recycling rates. Um, one of the first municipalities to start, like, a regular recycling program. Um, and so, so they have been good. But, you know, it can always be better. And every time that, um, you know, every time that someone takes that little extra effort to recycle, that's, that's legitimate money. You know, it's not, it's not kind of a goof where I'll recycle because it feels good. You know, it's, it's real money that you're saving every time you recycle properly. Okay, great. Well, thank you to Eric Earls for spending some time with our audience today and sharing some insights on Warwick life. It's a great time to be in Warwick, and for those not living the Warwick life, come pay us a visit. Stop by the recycling center, give a little deposit, a little pickup, and uh, take care of your garden while you're there. Get some nice mulch and see everything we have to offer. That wraps up another edition of Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. If you have any comments, content suggestions, or questions, drop us a line at warwicklife at gmail.com. Thank you to Tester Manuelian for our lead-in in closing music. She's a music major with an incredible career ahead of her. Lastly, don't forget to check out Warwick Center for the Arts at warwickcfa.org. See you next time. You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.